It's the Sean Pittman Show, where we talk about politics, sports, entertainment, and business. Here is your host, Sean Pittman. Good morning, Tallahassee and surrounding areas. Welcome to the Sean Pittman Show, where we talk about politics, business, entertainment, sports, and all the things that make us who we are, things we go through every day. Welcome to the Sean Pittman Show, and it starts right after this. You're listening to the Sean Pittman Show. Welcome back to the Sean Pittman Show And what a special, special, special week You know, that song um, just reminds me of two of my great friends And uh, I brought them here with you today It talks about uncharted territories And it actually has in there towards the end of the song Bring it home Yes And uh, I brought in the Gillums RJ and Andrew Gillum Into the studio on the Sean Pittman Show Y'all, welcome Thank and you Thank you for thank taking the time to come by here today it's Thank good you to for be having me us. Congratulations, so, by the way. Well, this is not about the, me. The, the, the uh, <laughs> reviews are raved. Oh, here. man. Well, <laughs> let me know where you see those. <laughs> but, uh, Andrew, happy Father's Day. Thank you, man. Happy Father's Day to you, too. Uh, and, how's uh, that twin life going? Uh, it's the twin life is, is uh, <laughs> twin an amazing one, life. Twin exactly. life plus one. But you all one. know about it. Yes. yes. You know, um, I, I really, people talk to Andrew Gillum all the time uh, about politics and the race. We all know that uh, he was a smidget close to being the next governor of Florida. Um, And uh, we know he did a great job right here in Tallahassee as our mayor. And but what we haven't talked about here that I've heard is just the couple, because, Andrew, when you ran for governor, when you ran for mayor, uh, you just didn't run alone. I mean, this is something that involves your whole family. Yeah. How does how did y'all go about that? First, how did you go about the decision that you would actually do that? Yeah. Well, first off, I should say um, RJ should probably answer this first because we have two different recollections on almost every story <laughs> of importance that we okay. share. Uh, but we might be similar on this one. How did it come about? Uh, well, when we first talked about it, um, and I tell people all the time, he asked me, uh, which I'm honored by that because I personally think um, that Andrew is destined to do and born to do what it is he's doing and that's to lead Um, so I think it's cute that he asked but um, (laughs) you know honestly I don't think I could have said no it was very scary just to even think about what it might be Um, when we discussed it many people did not know we were pregnant with our third child so there was also that consideration that's right yeah (laughs) and actually the conversation preceded you know, we had talked, we had been talking about this and, you know, RJ has shared pretty openly, you know, we had our struggles with getting pregnant. Um, you know, the, 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 the time that got us Davis, I mean, got us Carolina Jackson. And so, um, we were not expecting Sir Davis to come along. So we had had these conversations, uh, frankly, without knowing that, you know, little man was coming. Right. And actually, that news, you know, the news that we were going to be having our third child is probably what caused the biggest pause that I ever had in making this decision because, you know, we had to decide that was it going to be something that we could sustain with me being on the road literally for two years, All the time. Right? Right. right? Yeah. And, right. and frankly, it's it wasn't a just state. a two-year yeah. conversation. It was... Well, when we win, you know, that's a six-year uh, right. commitment at right. the very least or more. So, right. um, 
um, you know, Jay was Jay was there the whole time, and she never expressed real trepidation after we found out that we were going to be having um, having Davis. But and I never shared with her that that was the point at which I was almost ready to say this may not be the right time to do this wow. thing. Wow. Um, uh, but we pushed forward. We did. Well, well, that's it. I mean, listen, that's the kind of thing that, that most people don't think about. They kind of just see you out there. Of course. But pulling back that curtain and sort of just, you know, the, the family sort of partnership. And, and you know, I guess I got to ask this, though. Did, 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 did either of you feel prepared for what was to come <laughs> from all the campaigning, all the media coverage, both good and bad? I mean, could and can you ever prepare for that? Yeah, you know, I felt like I had had, you know, some preparation as mayor just having to deal with, you know, the collection of, of naysayers that regardless of all of the good work that we were committed to, all, um, I think, the change that we created moving the community in the right direction. And by the way, I would include crime rate in that, which during okay. my tenure, okay. we hit um, uh, one of the lowest level crime rates that we had experienced per capita um, uh, and, and quite a while in this city. And, you know, much of that obviously didn't get covered in its full context, but I felt like I had gotten, you know, indoctrinated. And then, man, this race started. And I think it was like, Actually, before I officially announced, it was like the night before the story broke that I was going to be announcing the next day because of a leak that happened. That's right. And That's right. it just immediately threw us into like, wow, we're at a different level. Um, um, and for whatever reason, and I think, you know, Jay probably decided this in her own mind's eye before we actually had the conversation about it. Um, was that we were going to have our house be the safe place, right? And so, wow, that's um, that's, that's real. Well, yeah, I mean, you're fighting the whole world, right? You feel like right, it, right? right? In the course of these things, that, um, and I don't. That's not to demean your supporters. You got great supporters out there who carry you through. Um, but oftentimes, and we know this in our own regular lives, the stuff that tends to occupy your time and attention are all the bad things people are saying about you. And when I would come home off the trail, you know, after long days or long weeks on the road, you know, we didn't talk about campaign. We didn't talk about what the next stop was unless it was a logistical scheduling thing about who's going to get kids. Right. But did she um, ever call you and say, you need to come home? No. You need to come home now. I didn't. No. no. But I would tell you what she did do. When no. we got home, it was like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> These are your kids. <laughs> and she'd say she's going to the gym and like three hours later, she'd come back with champagne on her breath. There uh, may or may well, not there have been. There are gyms to beat less, the, the, you know, there are gyms that have something uh, yeah. that taste and yeah. smell like champagne perhaps, no, perhaps. No, no. sometimes I needed a break no but he yeah. he um I think she Andrew did a really good job of um not just asking you know everyone around us friends family but um encouraging and, and leading by example that that is what we wanted we wanted as much normal as possible so don't treat us any differently let's still go out and have a dinner with our friends when we can um, you know, it's a blessing that our children were small, that they didn't really understand what was going on. You know, we have a joke about when the negative TV commercials came on TV, our kids were just as daddy, excited daddy, as when daddy. they saw his commercial. We were like, no, that's, they didn't that's know, not that. We're not know. happy about right, that one. Right, right. But it was, it was cute and it kind of disarmed us because it, it puts things in perspective for you when you can keep it normal. And, you know, Andrew had to train me. I had to learn to get tougher skin and to not read the comments. 
minutes. Well, so, but, unfortunately, I was unsuccessful at that, Sean. Yeah, I, 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 I follow her on Facebook. Yeah, people so still I, ask me, I, like, I, I always wonder how many of her comments are sanctioned. I'm like, none of them. I go to sleep. She stays up later than me. But, Listen. But, RJ, let me ask you a more direct question <laughs> about that, RJ, since you bring it up. Like, what was it like to see, you know, one group of people that were just so supportive of your husband? I mean, everywhere he went, it's yeah. like a rock star. Yes. Um, but then you have this other group, arguably not just them, but still today, that want to take him down and undermine his character. Yeah. What was that like for you? Um, it, it's tough. You, It's just a reminder in how you have to be grounded. Um, Andrew and I are people of faith. Um, we prayed a lot. Yeah. A long, hard prayers yeah. with many people before embarking on this. You know, I said earlier... This is the work that God has put on him to do in his life. I don't know exactly what position that means, um, but that is our North Star. And so when you do have those voices that are typically pretty loud, you do have to remind yourself that they are in the minority. It seems like there's a lot of them because those are the people that take the time to make the comments. And those are the ones that will maybe come to a, a local a commission meeting and express their opinions. But Outside of those people, there are throngs and hundreds and thousands of people who support us, who pray for us, who stop me in public to tell me what a great job they think my husband is doing. And also, it honors me when people honor me as well in the process and see me wow. and say, yes. we know that he's able because of you. Or really, you know, lightheartedly, like, what are you doing in public? Right. <laughs> Aren't you busy? <laughs> and, you know, that's just our... I still got to eat. Yeah. yeah still got to eat. Know, and these kids hungry. <laughs> we want to stay the people who we are. We want to stay grounded. We want to just do the work that is important to us the work that we want to do um and so you drown out those noise wow. voices so that's rj gillum i've got andrew and rj gillum here today and uh don't forget sean Pittman show on facebook instagram and twitter go on tell us what you what you think about the show um mayor gillum you uh ran for governor uh you almost won this thing man and there were so many people out there rooting for you and uh, i just wonder uh, what does it mean to you today uh, that you got over 4 million votes, more votes than any person that ever ran for governor in the state of Florida on the Democratic side. And I see people the way they react to you now. I was just in Orlando and saw from across the room just grassroots Democrats still uh, embracing you like uh, you're running for governor now. Um, how does that make you feel? Four and a half million. Four and a half million. Get it right. Well, get it right. Get it right on the Sean Pittman show. Yeah. Get it right. Well, either way, um, I will tell you, it is frankly what carried us through those 18 months of the race when I would spend literally eight hours locked in an office on a phone calling asking people to just sow a seed of 25, 200, $500 into the race and would have great conversations and at the end of the day, not raise a dime. Um, uh, I don't know that you could feel more demoralized than after you've poured yourself out consistently for eight hours a day, asking people to sow a seed into your vision uh, for the future 
um, and to be turned down at every turn. But then when you go out to the grassroots, the people who may not have it in them to make big contributions, uh, but they were showing up every Thursday night, these women down in Miami Gardens. Uh, here in Tallahassee, people were showing up at offices, making their own offices. RJ and I were on vacation celebrating our 10-year wedding anniversary uh, in, in France, and a group found out that I was there uh, named Democrats Abroad and asked me if I could just take just an hour to have coffee with them. And, of course, RJ sleeps late in the morning, so I figured that would not offend our vacation, right? Uh, and so I said yes, and I go only to encounter these people who have never met me before who decided to go to the Florida voter registration database and pull every single French address wow. in the Florida database wow. and then sent postcards and got on the phone and called every single expat that they could contact and asked them to vote for me. Wow. Uh, people sight unseen, never met them before, right? It's incredible. but it's and, and there are probably multiples of stories like that all across the state, frankly, all across the country, and in this instance, across the globe, of people who never met us, but I think the strength of our story and the passion that we brought to this race and the vision that we wanted to achieve in Florida pierced them in some way, such to the point that in total we had 77,000 people who volunteered, took an action on behalf of our campaign. And those were just the ones that we were able to capture through our website who told us yeah, what they were doing. And, and right? I read something the other day that said Andrew Gillum kept all 77,000 of those people <laughs> together because they're still showing up. Yeah, they're still showing up in, in the new work. And, and, and the truth is, is that that is consistent with what we talked about on the trail. At every turn, um, I made it a point to say this race is not about me. Right. This race is not about RJ and I. We've got three kids, and yes, we care uh, that they receive a good, high-quality education, but it is, it is as important to us that the kids they're sitting next to are also achieving a high-quality education right. because the teachers in the public school oftentimes have to teach to the lowest common denominator. And so if you've got a kid who isn't ready to learn and is sitting in a classroom with your child, you ought to be as concerned about that child as you are about your own because it will impact on your child's ability to learn and to excel. And so... We said it wasn't just about us, uh, that regardless of how this election were to turn out and God knows we wanted to win, we felt like we would be okay. The, the, the point that we wanted to make was these races, when we lose them, uh, it's not just the candidate who's, who loses, it's the people who lose when we lose these elections, the teachers who aren't paid salaries they can live on, who are now being equipped with guns to not only be teachers and mothers and fathers and caregivers to the kids that they teach, but now security guards, right? It's the 44% of Floridians who can't make ends meet at the end of the month. So it was clear for us from the beginning it wasn't about us. And so the fact that the totality of the volunteer army that came together that put us over the edge in the primary and got us within 0.4% of being governor of the third largest state in America, that group is now repurposing itself to get out there, register, engage, and truly win this state. As I said before, you can't win Florida by uh, 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 by a little bit. You got to win Florida by a lot you if you're a Democrat Florida if you're going to win. And, and, and I appreciate you saying that. And I want to come back to that. Uh, you know, you always would say on the trail, you know, who who loses when candidates like you lose. Mm -hmm. I always think that's so impactful because mm -hmm. it digs deep 
right? For people to really understand. I mean, when you lose, uh, or when people who believe in what you believe lose, in a case like this, they lose a Supreme Court, right? right? Because because the the folks who are elected in these positions are appointing people who believe in what they believe in. And when we try to get a community to understand that your vote really, really counts. So I'm going to come back to what I know you're doing right now, and I want people to hear from you directly on that. But RJ, when this campaign was going on, you start you start to see the resurface of black girl magic everywhere oh, yeah. you went. Yeah. I mean, you went across the you went across the country yeah. um, talking about your husband and about Florida and the things that he wanted to do. Do you believe? I mean, as we think about black girl magic and all of that, do you particularly believe that African American women are being heard in a way? Um, or considered in a way as it relates to policy making and politics. Mm. I mean, do you believe that that's happening? I think it's beginning to. I think there's definitely room for more. Um, I think representation matters all the time in the smallest ways from, you know, looking in a magazine. I want to see myself reflected. Um, I have a five-year-old daughter. She notices when someone looks like her that is inspiring to her you know recently we have now both Miss America Miss USA and Miss Teen USA all happen to be black women and that has gone viral and it's a small thing but people want to see themselves reflected and you may be a black man or a white man but I need to know that you hear me that my concerns are important to you Um, for those that are in power how diverse are the people who work for you? Because maybe you are not from a low-income background or you are not from an inner city or you didn't go to public school, but you need to have those voices in your cabinet, whatever that cabinet is, so that you can do the best job you can policy-wise. So I think, um, you know, black women are forcing ourselves to be heard. I think more of us need to run for office. Um and Are you telling us something? No, no she's no, not. No, okay. no, no, no. I, I fully support um, getting on campaigns and helping candidates because your voice is, is, is an important advisory role. You know, maybe you don't want to run for office, but we all have a story and need to be heard and need to be reflected, especially in policymaking, especially in local policymaking. So I encourage everybody listening to get involved, whatever way that means for you. You listen to the Sean Pittman Show on the big station, 96. Point one. I've got the Gillums, two great Rattlers here in the studio. Y'all give a shout out to the Rattlers. Shout out to the Rattlers. Family forever. All that. Family forever. Um, Andrew, what's going on now? Yeah. I mean, we're reading about, I mean, we're reading as much about you now as we did <laughs> during as, the, a candidate. During, as a candidate. And, uh, you know, tell folks what you're doing right now. You've yeah. embarked on this huge uh, endeavor uh, that I, I hope you'll tell um, people about. Yeah. But I also hope that you will start with uh, what you always said. You said to me once that, you know, I got to keep going. I got to keep these people together because as Democrats and you're a Democrat, mm-hmm. as Democrats, what we do is we force ourselves to have to start over all the time. Every time, yeah. I mean, that was profound because it's true. You see a candidate run, they lose, and they disappear. And then the next candidate, whether it's president or governor, has to start all over again. You don't seem to you don't seem to be uh, willing to let that happen. Well, this no, time. not this time. And the truth is, is um, <clears throat> I get why people choose to take their own private lives and recess from public life and go make a lot of 
money and and live their best life after these races. Living your best life. Well, yeah, go ahead, sing it. Uh, uh, yeah, b- because you put yourself back out there to be chastised, criticized, uh, uh, come after. Um, um, but one of the things that was made very, very clear to me in the course of this race, as close as we got, as hard as we ran this race, the fact that we saw two million more people vote in the state of Florida than we're expected to in a midterm election right, for governor right. in the state of Florida. Black Big people, number. for the Big first number. time in the state of Florida, voted their share of the population. They didn't do that in 2008 and didn't do it in 2012 in the presidentials. And so we know that a lot of energy was built up there. And one of the legacies of losing sometimes these elections, these transactions, is that the people who were with you and believed for the first time who got out and got involved feel like, oh, it was all for naught. Mm-hmm. And what we want them to know is that if there is an instance, an example of that, the fact that every single vote matters and it's not all for naught, let it be my election. Let it wow. be uh, the, the, the fact that we were 33,000 votes short with 85,000 votes that didn't get counted, but 33,000, <laughs> I ain't nobody talking about that, but the, no, we can the, talk about the, it. No need. <laughs> but the point being is um, we don't surrender in those moments. We double down in those moments. Right. I ran for governor um, off of a platform that was designed to improve the everyday lives of the majority of Floridians, the ones who are oftentimes ignored in this process. Um, uh, that didn't go away after uh, November 6th. That didn't go away it certainly after we doesn't gave feel our like it. Speech. It certainly no. doesn't feel like it did. And I think a lot of that has to do with what you and RJ are right. doing. We have committed ourselves to working between now and 2020 to register and re-engage one million uh, new progressive voters in the state of Florida. There are four million voters, four million people in the state of Florida that are eligible to vote and unregistered to vote. That's not to say anything of the 1.4 million who got their rights restored through Amendment 4's passage. And we've seen the Republican leadership in the state of Florida do everything that they can to uh, decimate and undermine that amendment, including approving a poll tax uh, that will likely have the effect of nullifying, of making irrelevant uh, that 1.4 million. Absolutely. In fact, I'm the first to admit Amendment 4 got more votes than I got. It got more votes than the sitting governor got. It got more votes than many items on that ballot and more uh, individuals uh, on that ballot than are serving in leadership today. And so we owe it to the people who went out there. There's 65% of Floridians who said we want to be a state of second chances. We want to be a state that measures people not by their worst day, but by redemption and the fact that you can re-enter society and get a job and have efficacy and agency over your life by going in there and pulling that lever and letting your voice be heard. And so uh, we got to fight for those individuals, but we also have to fight for those folks who have decided to park themselves on the sideline uh, to be observers in the process, uh, thinking that the process doesn't reflect them when in truth, everything that they experience in their day in and day in lives, day out lives, very much so is connected to who the leaders are making those well, decisions. We, we love on this show because it's Sunday to be able to say amen. Amen. After somebody says something amen. great. So amen. Um, listen, thank you all for coming on. Oh, it's our treat, man. And and, and so to the listeners, good. you heard it here. Uh, uh, RJ's running for office. I um, am not running <laughs> for office. Let me tell you, you, be careful what you whisper. Okay, listen, I'm this, joking, everybody. This woman's an unfiltered uh, uh, creature. But you heard it. You heard it right here. Um, it, it's great to have the the former first family of um, of Tallahassee 
um, here with us, but but always the first family in our hearts. Um, so thank you for coming. Well, thank you for having us. And, and just a very quick happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. It's not an easy work, um, uh, and I just applaud those who stick in and stick around and do the job that we're supposed to do. Well said. Sean Pittman Show. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Sean Pittman Show. Welcome back to The Sean Pittman Show. I certainly want to thank the Gillums, uh, Mayor Andrew and RJ for joining us today and, and letting us know what's going on in their lives. And, and frankly, yet again, uh, giving us a call to action, specifically in the black community. And that leads me to today's Pittman Point. And it's been a few weeks now, so most of you know what the Pittman Point is. It's an opportunity for us to leave a thought with you, for you to comment on at Sean Pittman Show on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, and uh, just leave you with a thought until we get back together. But this week, Mayor Gillum just told us about an ongoing effort to register folks uh, and a huge number, guys, and I think that number was one million people, not just to register them, but to try to get them to the polls in 2020 um, uh, and a, a monumental um, sort of um, effort. I don't know, uh, guys, what's so hard about this because we've talked about it over and over again. And that is why is it so hard to get people to register to vote? And why is it so hard to get people once they're registered to actually vote? when we have learned over and over again um, that every vote counts. When our communities don't register to vote, when our communities don't vote, we have no say in the process. Now, I can't tell you who to vote for. Obviously, I can't. But what we've learned and what we know is that these elections have severe consequences. No matter what side you're on, Democrat, Republican, Independent, you know that one vote and several votes definitely count. Your vote counts and it matters because these people are making decisions that impact your lives. Now listen, if you yourself are registered, if your family's registered and you piled in the car um, doing souls to the polls of it or any other day and you went out and voted, I'm not, I'm not talking to you. I'm just going to simply say thank you. But if you didn't register to vote, if you didn't vote because you thought you might be too busy or you figured your vote wouldn't make a difference or you were discouraged for whatever reason, then I'm talking to you. Andrew Gillum, who was just in the studio, lost by a simple 0.4% percent of the vote. The closest margin ever in a governor's race in this state. You can't tell me that your vote doesn't matter because it does. So the Pittman point today is let's get the job done. Understand that these elections have serious consequences that will definitely and directly impact us as a community. 2020 will be here before we know it, and there is no excuse for inaction. We have seen what happens when there is inaction. We know the consequences. Do not let it be your fault that we elect people who don't have the best interests of our community, the best interests of our country, our states, our cities, and more importantly, our neighborhoods. Register to vote. Tell your friends or your family members to register to vote. And don't simply stop there. Pull your car up, pull your bicycle, your scooter, or grab someone by the hand and just walk somewhere and register them to vote. And then when the election cycle comes and it's time to actually get out and vote, grab them and do it again. This is Sean Pittman, and you're listening to The Sean Pittman Show. Thanks again to the Gillums for being with us today. This is The Sean Pittman Show. We'll see you next week.